Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about gardening. Yay! It's our annual spring gardening show, and we have our gardening correspondent, Helen May, here with us today. Helen, thanks for coming back. Oh, I'm very happy to be here. All right. We always enjoy having you here. Yep. If you have questions or comments... Please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348, or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Well, we have to start the program <laughs> with a story. I flunked my tryouts for the Flying Walendas. She did. Mary Catherine is, uh, deserves a Purple Heart for being here today. She's actually in a, a new chair, one of the wheelchair varieties <laughs> with a, a, what, a broken ankle... Yeah, broken ribs, broken yeah. ribs, two yeah. broken El- ribs, bad elbow. Yeah, yeah. She, but she's. I uh, have issues. She has issues. She had a little accident in yeah. her home. Yeah, I fell out of my attic. Uh, getting, I was retrieving the Easter baskets Easter morning, and I we have one of those pull down ladders, and I missed that all important second step. So let and, that be a lesson to all of you. Yeah, like Humpty Dumpty. Down I went. <laughs> so it was touch and go, but since it's the gardening show, we knew that That's she right. would be My here. sweet husband, Mark, has wheeled me in here. Mark is here. He's in the studio. He, we're not going to allow him to be on the air unless he jumps up here and grabs the microphone <laughs> away from Mary you know, Catherine. I, I've if never she's... seen him get that enthused about gardening, so I really don't anticipate that happening. But, right. but i got to thank my, the nice people in the emergency room. I had excellent uh, kindness uh, in the emergency room, both the, the folks who picked me up at home. From the, they had to call an ambulance and everything. Oh it was gosh. really quite a, bit, quite a scene. But Corinna Rapetto in the, in Corinna, the uh, yeah. ER and my, and my ER nurse, Ron, where they were very sweet to me and took good care right. of me. Well, Mary Catherine has already warned me that she uh, it really hurts her to laugh. So if you have any jokes, yeah. please uh, save the next gardening show. <laughs> yeah, if you hear a really dumb laugh, it's coming from me because that's the only kind I can do these days. <laughs> All right. Well, Helen, thanks for being here. So uh, gardening, Mary Catherine, you want to ask the first question? I mean, you always have questions about gardening. I do. And we, and we have a bunch of emails already, too. So. Well, you know, I think anybody who's an... A, gar- a gardener is feeling that urge right now to get out and get things tidied up, no matter how much how nice a job you do in the fall of, of uh, cleaning out your garden space. It always looks bad in the spring. Leaves have blown in and all that yucky stuff that needs to be tidied up. Do you recommend that people remove last year's layer of mulch and start completely fresh? Uh, not necessarily. It depends on what we're talking about. If you have an area where you've had disease problems, like a rose bed, mm-hmm. that should be removed right down to the ground. But if it's like around big evergreens or something and they're healthy and husky, uh, you, if it's packed, you might loosen it up a little. Mm-hmm. Or if it has deteriorated, add a little to it, but there's no need to remove Now, that. what if you're going to do... Uh, uh, this is, I think, a good time to add manure and that sort of thing to your garden. Is that right? Uh, you can, yes. Uh, preferably some that has been rotting for a while, nothing fresh. Uh, the bag you know. kind, I'm thinking. Oh, the bag kind, yes. yes. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. do you need to remove your mulch before you add that? Um, again, it depends. If it's just a thin, light mulch that you're going to add to anyway, uh, you might just kind of scratch it all together and... You know, on mm-hmm. the surface, if it's a deep, deep mulch and uh, you feel that the plant really needs some help, mm-hmm. you might rake it back and uh, apply the mulch and then push, I mean, uh, the manure and then push the mulch back over it. Is there any, ever a time where applying a nice thin layer of mulch or mulch, manure is not recommended? That's my Percocets talking right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, don't make me laugh. Um, is there any a time, ever a time when the uh, application of manure is not recommended or is it okay pretty much across the board in the spring to, to uh, do that? In the spring, it's pretty much okay because everything is making growth and needs nutrients and, and so forth. Now, if you're if you apply in late summer or Early fall, you may push some growth that won't be hardened enough for mm. winter. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you want to put manure, say, around something like young shade trees or shrubs, do that late uh, after several frosts 
That way you'll get no top growth, but the roots will still be active probably way into December. Mm -hmm. So uh, they can be building strength from it that late. Okay. All right. We have a phone call already. So oh, okay. let's, uh, and, and as we uh, like to remind people on the gardening show, we get lots of phone calls. So if you have questions, you might want to call us early in the show, as uh, has Fred. Fred, go ahead. Hello there, Helen. Hi, Fred. And everybody else. Hi. Hey, Fred. <laughs> yes, uh, I have a question about achimenes. They're, how many, they're about the size of, uh, the bulbs are about the size of Rice Krispie. How, how big of a pot do you plant them in, and how many, how many would you use in one pot? Okay, if you're going to put like uh, a hanging basket or something, uh you space them just uh, two or three inches apart over the surface. If you're putting them in a flower pot, uh, two or three little roots at the most, if it's, say, a four-inch pot. Well, in a 10-inch pot, I can put... All right, you put a bunch in a 10-inch pot. Yeah, and then they kind of grow up to about... I never have had them before. But. All right. They're kind of like, an, in some respects, like an African violet in that they have a slightly fuzzy leaf, mm-hmm. and they bloom for a long period of time. Uh, they'll do better if you actually treat them about like an African violet. That is fairly regular uh, fertilizing after they're up and growing, and uh, water them when the surface gets a little bit dry. You don't keep them too wet. What and, type of soil would you? Well, any good uh, general potting mix that you buy probably would work. Uh, if you're making your own, which some people still do, you want equal parts of nice uh, Canadian peat moss, nice clean sand, and good topsoil. Okay. But the, this plant about three inches apart, then. Mm-hmm. That size, what about the ones that's about the size of a pea? Well, uh, you can put those a little bit closer together. They'll come in, in, in sizes all the way from about pea size to sometimes you'll get some that are an inch or too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll have to use a little judgment there. And different varieties make slightly different sizes. So if you have purchased several kinds, you know, several colors, and they're separated. Yeah, I bought several different kinds. Yeah. Well, then I would just put one kind in a pot. Not mix them uh, because the sizes are a little different and uh, some are more vigorous growing than others. Well, in a 10 inch uh, hanging pot, I put oh, five or six in each pot, then? Or? Well, in a 10 inch pot, uh, a minimum of five or six, and you oh. probably could put more if you okay. wanted to, if you've got a lot of. of uh, and they will increase uh, over the summer. You'll get additional uh, okay. roots. And. Um, now, I'd have to look this up because I'm not quite sure, but I think those need to go dormant sometime during the year. Okay. Uh, in which case you would simply uh, not get let them freeze, but stop watering them for a while. Okay, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, Fred, thanks a lot for the call. Bye. 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348. Fred was calling from Spencer, so that's a good All toll-free right. number. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Here's an email that came in. It says, uh, I've got abundant clumps of mini daffodils in bloom right now. A coworker has asked me to dig some of the bulbs for her this summer, and it would probably be good for me to thin the clumps anyhow. She asked me how deeply to plant them, but these daffodils were in the yard and thriving when I bought the house 16 years ago, so I really don't know the answer. How deeply should many daffodil bulbs be planted? And can you give any other advice on planting them to help them thrive? Thanks. If they are truly miniature daffs, which if they're blooming now, they very well might be, uh, you don't plant them quite as deep as you do the larger varieties, but probably four inches and at least that far apart. Um, And actually, a very good time to dig and divide is just as soon as the leaves begin to look a little tatty. Mm-hmm. Uh, after they've bloomed, still while well, you can still find them, and just get them right into the ground again. If you dig them later in the year, um, you could store them for a while before replanting. But if you dig them early, I'd say get them into the ground again as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. All right, sounds great. Um, I a lot of people I noticed I was in the grocery recently and, and I know they're selling a lot of cyclamens um, in the grocery store right now. Why don't you talk a little bit about, about cyclamen and I know 
some people are a little surprised by the way those those function. Could you tell us about those and the best way to well, care for them? Uh, the ones you buy in the grocery store, of course, are tender. There are hearty forms, um, but they're rather different. Uh, the main thing is there's a little bulb in there, and you want to keep the soil moist enough that the plant doesn't actually wilt. Mm-hmm. But if you keep it wet all the time, they're very prone to rotting and dying. So you should, like an African violet, let it dry till the surface feels a little dry and then give it a drink. And they do better in a bright, cool location. If you have a, a windowsill or a room that's a little cooler, mm-hmm. they'll do better there. Mm-hmm. And you can fertilize them uh, just with something like miracle Grow. They will want to go dormant later in the summer. And you can, if you're careful, uh, simply when they stop blooming, show no signs of wanting to bloom, let them dry out a little bit and keep them in the pot. Mm -hmm. And you can either just set them back where you won't forget them or uh, write yourself a note somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And along late in the summer, they probably will begin or in the fall begin to show some signs of wanting to grow again, Mm -hmm. at which time you need to start watering lightly until they get quite a bit of growth on. Mm-hmm. And then you can go into your regular routine. Yeah. And they will get bigger from year to year. Oh, great. I think a lot of people, once they go dormant, they give up on them and throw them away. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important information to get out there for folks. All right. We have a couple of phone calls. Larry from Bloomington. Larry? Hello. Hello, Larry. I have two questions for right. Helen. The first right. one's about deer. The second one's about calla lilies. Uh, the first one about deer is that I have two Wygelias in my uh, in my yard that I haven't seen any signs of bl- blooms for for the last two years because the deer have them for breakfast. Uh, and I even tried big wire hoops last year to protect them, but the deer I've discovered too late are tall enough to reach down inside the hoops, and so and all and all the same have the Wygelia buds for lunch. Um. But I'm I'm inquiring. I have a sister who lives in Illinois who swears that all the ladies in her garden club say that the best thing for deer is take some bars of Irish spring soap, which they hate, and hang it in your shrub and you won't get any deer. I just wondered if Helen had heard of that. Uh, yes, in fact, I've tried it. Actually, almost anything that they they don't like strong odors. Uh, my sister is a yard sale person, and she goes around buying old, partly used bottles of cheap perfume ah. and puts them on little bits of toweling or sponges and fastens it in the, puts them on sticks, usually in the edge of the bush somewhere where they're not too obvious. But the soap works also. It's the odor of the soap. Uh-huh. Uh, and you just need to fasten it somehow to a stake at about nose height for the deer. Yes. And you can put them in places that aren't terribly obvious because they will smell them. I'll uh, certainly give it a try. And actually, when the flowers begin to form on those wygelias, if you will get you some kind of a deer spray and just spray the tips of the new growth, the flower, you don't have to spray the whole bush, uh-huh. uh, that will help too. Thank I you. had 17 in my yard this morning. 17 wow. deer? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. <laughs> You're providing free breakfast for them, it sounds like. Well, in some respects. <laughs> well, I found out last year when I put in black-eyed Susans, I put them in one day and they had them for breakfast the next day. Oh, oh you must have a problem because that's one of the things that they don't eat for me, that they don't like the fuzzy leaves. Oh, it was mostly all dug up and kicked all around, but they were certainly destroyed. Oh, that's bad. I think you have uh, hoodlum deer. <laughs> yes. The other is about the calla lilies that I got last year. The, the uh, bulbs are in the garage. And I'm wondering, is now the time to put them out or should I wait until May? You should wait until May to put them out, but you should get them started because they take a long time uh-huh. to get underway. And what you – they haven't frozen, have they? No, no. They've right. been in the garage. What you want to do is simply uh, put them in a flat of good potting mix, uh, barely cover them. Set them someplace fairly warmish. Maybe if you've got a little spot on top of your refrigerator or your water heater or someplace. Mm-hmm. And when they show signs of taking off and growing and make a few roots, then you pot them up individually and carry them until it's nice and warm outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. Did you say that when I put them in to start them, it should be in bright light? Uh, it doesn't much matter, actually, I see. until All they right. begin to make some growth. That makes it simpler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you very much. All right, Larry. Thanks a lot for the call. Sure. Bye-bye. 855 and noon at indiana.edu. And Ken is next. Ken? Hello. Uh, my question is about using coffee grounds around plants. I have a large ongoing source of coffee grounds. Uh, I, I put them around... I use it almost as mulch. It, it does seem to keep weeds from coming up. It, it looks very attractive, and it smells wonderful. Um, are there plants that I shouldn't use this with, or are you familiar with coffee grounds? One of the things I use it uh, on is, is my asparagus, but I also put it at the base of trees just to keep from the mower from nicking the base of them and uh, so forth. Uh, they are a little bit acidic. Yeah. Actually, quite a bit acidic. So you would want to stay away from plants that require very sweet soils, like uh, a baby's breath, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, any plant that uh, can take a average or acidic soil, uh, they make fairly good mulch, and they improve the soil structure. Main thing is you want to watch. Don't put them on so deep that you get serious molding or right. anything right up against the bark of a tree. Right. I'm aware of um, that. But uh, actually, uh, they're excellent added to a compost uh, pile, mm-hmm. or they're great around rhododendrons and azaleas. Uh, How about hydrangeas? Uh, yeah, hydrangeas, what ferns. Color, what color will they turn a hydrangea? Will they help with that? Oh, they might help a little, but your basic soil is going to have to be amended to really make a difference on a hydrangea okay. as far as color goes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I'm aware they're a bit acidic, so I've on a, as far as... Uh, uh, I've put them more around conifers and, and things that tend to like more acidic soil. Um, uh, I figure a large uh, deciduous tree, even though it likes, uh, w- would probably rather have some lime, I figure it's not going to hurt to put a little around the base of it and keep it from getting nicked by the mower, would you think? Uh, no, and actually it takes an awful lot of something like that to change a basic soil very much sure. underneath. Sure. So... Um, I don't think it will cause you any problems. If it does, you'll begin to see the leaf color a little off, yeah. like it was having a little trouble picking up iron and so forth. Uh, in so which just case, add a little lime then. Well, do a soil test before you yeah. use lime. because. Really? Uh, well, can, then that's my other question. Yeah. I, thought, mm-hmm. I thought lime was good for about any deciduous tree and in general in this area that, that, they could, that we could use some lime. I've sure noticed a good response from my grass for lime. It, it seems to help keep it from burning out in the dry spells. Well, uh, grass is one thing that most varieties can use some lime. Yeah. If you have spots that are extremely uh, mossy, chances are a little lime would help. Uh-huh. But it pays to test before yeah. going wild with lime. My When I moved <laughs> where I live, I tested the soil down in the low bottom because I wanted to grow gardens and things down there. And it was 8 on the pH scale, which is very sweet. And uh, I realized that it was the stone mills and the creek had been running over there for years with the effluvia from the mills. And, uh, yeah, I think you're in a very unique position. I've I've canoed that stream many times, (laughs) and there's there's just... An incredible amount of runoff. I mean, the, the water literally changes color on certain days. Yes, that's right. That's right. But also up on the hill I uh, where the oak trees are growing, it was definitely on the acidic side. Hmm. So uh, uh, if you before you make any big changes yeah. with lime, and you don't apply lime every year, even to lime lovers, Uh <laughs> So uh, be just a little cautious there. You can buy a simple pH test for like $2 or something if that's all you're testing for. Sure. Um, But, yes, lime helps with these clay soils. It helps to open them up and improve the drainage. Uh, It makes some nutrients a little more available. But if you overdo it, it makes some nutrients not available. Sure, sure. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye. All right, Ken. Thanks a lot for the call. The phone numbers again, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We have a phone call. We have a couple of emails. We'll get to the phone, this phone call first and then try to get the emails before we take our break. So, Joy, go ahead. Joy's calling from Ellettsville. 
Joy, are you there? Okay. okay. All right, Joy. There she is. Yep, I'm here. Okay. I have a groundhog. I don't want a groundhog. Uh, the groundhog ate my peas down to the ground last year, uh, and I don't know quite how to make sure that this does not happen a- anymore. Well, the groundhog's a little bit difficult because he's kind of big, and you don't, can't scare him easy, and he can dig under most barriers. And, uh, in fact, he can climb over some barriers. Um, The ideal situation would be to remove the groundhog. But that can be kind of expensive unless you're the sort of person who can trap him yourself. Um, They can be trapped and have a heart traps, live live traps, you know. Um, I really don't know of any real repellent that works with the groundhog. You might try something like Ropel, um, but you can't put that on food crops because it is incredibly bitter. Um, If you can find his den, you might try to make life uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for him by running water in it or throwing uh, mothballs in it, but I can't guarantee you that any of those are going to work. Even making a lot of noise, they don't like that. that, No. Somewhere else. So I, get, Irish Spring doesn't work? Well, no. I, I put um, some used cat litter down his hole. Well, that wow, should have made hard. him unhappy. I'm, and I haven't seen him since I did that, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I fenced the garden before anything's growing in it. Well, that will help. Now, what you want to do is watch for any attempts at digging under that fence. Right. I put stones around it, but, mm-hmm. I, but I'm watching very carefully and I, right. for tracks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They used well, kitty litter to run me off. <laughs> right. And I, I thought maybe if I put, you know, hot peppers in there. But they're not repelled by, by Irish Spring soap or anything like that. <laughs> not that I know of, Okay. No. Well, um, I, I just kind of wondered. The, Thank the, you. The used kitty litter sounds good to me. Yeah, it, 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 it was pretty gross. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you need to remember that he probably has two or three entrances to his den. I found den. two of them, and I so kitty littered them both. Keep an eye open, and you may just... Chase him off in time. Now, Joy, if you run short on that, you let us know because I can help you out. i got a good supply of that. Okay, thank you. All right, Joy, thanks yeah, a lot. here to help. We're going to get to one more email before we take a break, so we hope that Andy will hold on on the phone. So let's go to the okay. email. It says we have a large area on the east and north sides of our house that are mostly in the shade. Do you have recommendations for shrubs or bushes that do well in the shade? They would receive a bit of sun early in the morning, but that's about it. If not, do you know of any plants besides hostas that would do well? Well, um, if the soil is good and not, you know, around houses sometimes it can be packed full of tree roots and so forth. But if you can provide growing uh, conditions that are are decent, uh, almost all ferns, astilbes, a few uh, of the hydrangeas, if it's not dark, dark shade. Right. Um, bleeding hearts. Some spring bulbs do very well in shady conditions. Um, and I'm probably forgetting a, about a dozen good things here. And those are just uh, uh, perennials. Annuals. Yeah. There are lots of mm-hmm. several annuals. You might check nice. if you want annuals. Um, uh, the uh, of course impatience is the first thing because they're so easy and they make so much color. You can do caladiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, if you should be down at May's greenhouse. They're perennials. They have one whole house that's for shade perennials. You might look through there and see what you can find that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, the annuals, uh, someone there will be happy to sh- tell you which of the annuals will take shade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally uh, like caladiums in deep shade to just to brighten it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, hostas can be boring if you have 12 million of them. Uh, but again, there's quite a bit of variety in them if you search around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love bleeding hearts. They'd be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might, if there's enough moisture there, there are some plants called rogersias that you might try. Uh, they're in the far north end of the perennial house on the right. <laughs> 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 and there are shrubs. I think uh, uh, rhododendrons, 
azaleas, some. Uh, now, deep, dark shade will reduce the amount of bloom you get on those. Uh, you might try uh, a few of the uh, hollies if you've got filtered shade someplace. Uh, best bet is just to go ask somebody what they can show you that they've got that's good for shade. Mm-hmm. All right. There are lots of <coughs> options there for the for the people that have a lot of shade mm-hmm. like we do. Yep. We have a lot of those boring hostas. But actually there are so many varieties that there are. it does look mm-hmm. pretty much different in different parts of the mm-hmm. yard. All right. We've hit time for the break. Uh, it's our annual, no, our semi-annual gardening right. show, our spring gardening show. Uh, Helen May is here and we're talking with her about all your gardening uh, questions and comments. So uh, if you have questions or comments, please get in line, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU's website is a veritable Pandora's box of features for you. With a visit to WFIU.org, you can listen online, and you'll find the latest about your public radio station's programming. There are interviews with news and tastemakers in the area and around the world. There are games to play, like the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and news about the latest at the movies, in the theaters, and in the concert halls. With a quick visit to WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael and Helen May, our gardening expert, is here. Helen is – well, she says she's retired from uh, May's Greenhouse, but she is has that encyclopedic knowledge about gardening. So she you can't know, ever retire she doesn't have – she can retire from the greenhouse as long as she doesn't retire from Noon Edition. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll have her here forever. Uh, so if you have questions for Helen, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or you can Send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And Andy has been on the phone being patient, so let's go to the phones. And Andy is next. Andy? Maybe he ran out of No, patience. I think Andy's uh, – yeah, here comes Hello? Andy. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Andy. Hello. Hello, Andy. Hello. Hello, Andy. Go ahead. Um, first-time caller, first-time listener. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, we so love having you. Yeah, I'm a blank slate. Um, <laughs> we have – this is a wide open question. We have about 200 yards of, uh, I'd say 200 by say 10 feet um, of scrub trees that we're going to have cleaned out. And I guess my question or my idea is this, and I just want you to critique it, is to the guy who's going to clean that out to have him leave that mulch um, for uh, the two kind of trees that I want to plant. I'm thinking about putting evergreens in the front and like. Um, pin oaks or sycamores in the you know the back that will grow mm-hmm. taller is is that a good plan do you see any holes in that i mean the, the trees will be gosh you know 100 100 yards from the house so there, i've got a lot of land to work with I'm just kind of thinking that through well the the ground up trees and bark and so forth will make excellent mulch now, if that gets mixed into the soil, you're going to have nitrogen problems for quite a while until it rots uh, because the rotting wood uh, is eaten up by bacteria and they use a lot of nitrogen uh, while the wood is decaying. However, I have used it on top of the ground without too much trouble. Uh, what you want to watch out for is uh, if your, the growth of your trees is slower than it should be or the color gets pale and so forth, then your your nitrogen is being depleted. Uh, probably what you might want to do is just pile that in some convenient places. Go ahead and plant your trees. Uh, get, them, get them underway a little bit. Give that a year to 
rot somewhat before you actually spread it. Uh, and when you're mulching around trees, especially tender young new ones, you don't want to pile the, the mulch deep around the base of the tree like you see in so many plantings because that can rot the bark right at the ground. What you want to do is make a donut, uh, and the trunk, trunk should be in the hole of the donut. Okay. Yeah, but if you, uh, it would make perfectly good mulch and will eventually lead to much better soil under it. Uh, but you need to watch out for nitrogen. Should he add some landscape fabric or something in the meantime to keep it from getting too weedy before he mulches? Um, with that big a planting, landscape fabric's going to cost him some money. Yeah. And putting it down is going to be a problem. Probably what you should do is when you get that land cleared and ready to plant, once you plant, you should put, uh, while the soil is still fresh and has just been cultivated, put a pre-emerge uh, herbicide down. And what that does is it prevents seed from uh, germinating. Okay. And that will cut down on your crabgrass and chickweed and anything that comes up annually from seed. If you can clear the ground of perennial weeds by having it plowed a few times or even treated with Roundup before you actually plant, you'll save yourself a lot of headaches. Roundup will kill any green growing tissue, but it breaks down quickly and is not a problem in the soil. Okay. All right, Andy. Is that, that uh, good? Any follow-up? Well, well what, do you, what do you think about the uh, pin oaks and the evergreens? Do you, will you opine on the pines? <laughs> pine on the pines? Well, Andy, you, you can call back any time. <laughs> had you any kind of evergreens in mind in particular? Um. Well, you know, just like Christmas trees kind of looking. I don't know just just some evergreens, all right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would stay away from anything that might have serious problems with uh, bagworms. Okay. Hemlocks are beautiful and wonderful trees, but there is a problem with an insect in the east that is moving this way, and I don't know how soon it may strike here. So I would suggest that uh, if it's not going to be too shady, uh, that you go with some kind of pines or spruce. And white spruce is a very good tree for this location. Uh, it's called white spruce. Of course, it's green, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a good grower and it will grow in a variety of soils. Uh, it grows at a reasonable rate. The pin oaks will do quite well here unless the soil is really too uh, sweet. The pH is too terribly high. You might check and see if there are any nice ones in your neighborhood. If they do seem to be doing well in your neighborhood, they'd probably do very well for you, and they are wonderful trees. Let, let me ask a quick rookie question. How do you... Um how do you test pH? I mean, is that something you have to pay somebody to do, or can you easily do that? Well, you can buy very simple pH tests at most okay. uh, garden supply places. Okay. And that will give you a, a rough idea of what's going on. You can get an extensive test made. I think you can do that still through the uh, extension agent's office. That will take a while, and it will cost you, I don't know, Ten, fifteen dollars, something more long in there, maybe a little more. And Helen, you, you said before in the program those simple pH tests are about two dollars. Yeah, what it, what it is, it's a, a little test tube mm -hmm. and a couple chemicals and in small amounts and uh, a piece of I think it's called litmus paper. Yep. And you you prepare the soil as the instructions tell you. Mix it with the in the test tube when it settles. So you've got some clear liquid on top. You dip the litmus paper in, and whatever color that is will indicate by the chart on the package that you bought how sweet or sour, how acid or alkaline the soil is. Okay. Yep. There you go. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the right, advice. Andy, Good what? luck. 
Thanks, Andy. Thanks a lot for the call. All right, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. We have a suggestion from one of our uh, listeners who says that sprinkling dried blood around keeps deer out of their tomatoes and flowers. Um, So she is suggesting that. And, Helen, you said that that's available at most garden centers, right? Yes, yes. It's it's an excellent fertilizer. Okay. Sounds a little yucky, but... Yeah, we were uh, kind of, we were wondering about that dried blood and where you get it. I assume slaughterhouses. Okay, that sounds good. All right. This has really been quite a show. We've got used kitty litter, dried blood. Hmm. All right. Here's another email that's come in. It says, Hi, Helen. Thanks for doing these great spring shows. They are much a sign of spring as the daffodils. Uh, You may not have seen much of me lately. Uh, My office has moved to the northeast side of the town and the greenhouse is far south. So I can't get there and back on my lunch hour during the week. I'm sure a lot of people have this problem. I also can't get there by 530 after work which leaves the crowded and, for me, very busy weekends. I've talked to others of your loyal customers who feel the same way. I would like to suggest that you stay open later at least one day a week, say midweek on Wednesday. Just one extra hour or so would really help. I wonder if any of the listeners today agree. Thanks. You have anything to say about that? Helen's retired. (laughs) Well, actually, I am retired. I hope somebody from the greenhouse is listening. Maybe they will... uh, Take you up on that. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the spring they they run ragged all the time, and they uh, the thought of st- working in another hour can be a problem. Uh, yeah. But uh, you might talk them into it. And let me ask a, that mm-hmm. question, Helen, from all your years at the, the greenhouse. I mean, you're, you're open a certain number of hours, but mm-hmm. how much other work goes on when you're not open? I mean, I've always well, thought about that. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to hear this too. Well, uh, if if the plants were the displays, selling displays, were ravaged the day before. You've got to restock all of those. You are still potting things for the late selling. Uh, everything has to be watered, sometimes twice a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have to rake up the paths and sweep off the floors and uh, uh, fold up some boxes. And <laughs> do, you, do, do, do the people at your greenhouse take a break in, in December or January, or do they really – because you have house plants all year Long and now you're open all year long. I know you used to be closed until May. There was there was a time when we co- were open from uh, April first to Memorial Day, right. and then we were open a little earlier, March through Memorial Day, and open in the fall. And then we were open all summer, and then we were open through Christmas, and closed closed the month of January. And uh, now they've gotten so ambitious and so willing to work down there that uh, we're open year-round. We do close on some of the holidays, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they're there most of the time. Now, I, I must admit to you that uh, uh, in the spring we have a lot of temporary employees because there's so much mm-hmm. that has to be done all at one time. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Phone numbers again, 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu. Here's another suggestion from one of our listeners. It says, I had a groundhog in my small soybean patch last year. I put castor beans down the hole and never saw him again. Was it the castor beans or something else? I will never know. And she signs off, may all your weeds be wildflowers. (laughs) So that's a nice touch. Helen, um, a lot of people like to start things indoors, um, you know, to get Mm -hmm. ready for spring so they have a little growth on them as opposed to starting um, seeds outdoors. What do you recommend? uh, What kinds of things are good to be starting right about now in in March? Well, of course, it depends. You need to count back from the time it would be safe to plant it outdoors and then give yourself – about six weeks, or in some instances like peppers that take longer or seed geraniums, uh, maybe 10 weeks, and and so that way. And then uh, when they get up, you need to transplant them. And then before time to plant them out, you need to harden them off so that they don't gasp and die the first day they're out in the hot sun and wind. And you do that by first you set them on the porch in the shade for a few hours and bring them in at night. And when it's windy, and gradually you get them so they can take full sun all day, and then you plant them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let me ask you something else. That leads to another important <clears throat> question, which is, I've heard discussion that we're, uh, we've our zone has changed 
here because of global warming. And, and you know, that's, that's an important thing to know as you count back on looking at your seed packets. Uh-huh. Well, I don't think it has reliably changed as yet. Uh, you're, you're quite right. I, we see things almost constant every year, something blooming or growing sooner than it should. Last spring was disastrous. Uh, oh, we yeah. had such oh. advanced growth, and then winter came back mm-hmm. for several weeks. Um, your best bet is to figure on the law of averages. In other words, uh, generally the last hard freeze is sometime in April, mm-hmm. and generally the last killing frost is sometime in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are in a position that you can protect things— you can plant earlier, uh, but it can be a real hassle. Especially yeah, I spent if you've, a lot of time with sheets outside last spring. Especially if you've got a lot, not just your seedlings, but hostas and the like mm-hmm. that you'd want to cover on a really bad night. Yeah. Um, and you also need to take into consideration what you're growing because some plants do better if they get out early while it's cool. And others just will shock and never really come out of it if they get chilled too many times. So you need to have some idea of the growth requirements of the things you're growing. I never put my tomatoes out before at least sometime the end of the first week in May. Mm-hmm. I should wait a little longer, but I get impatient. Yeah. I get impatient. <laughs> the same with peppers. But cabbage could go out probably uh, middle of April. And I was just in the greenhouse. I noticed onion sets are available. They are very cold hardy. You could plant those now if you can get your ground dry enough to do it. Yeah. yeah. And let's talk about getting your ground dry enough. How can you tell if your ground is dry enough? And, and, and also, let's back up just a little bit mm-hmm. from that. Why is it bad to plant when your ground isn't dry enough? Well, for one thing, if you plant while the soil is really muddy, you're going to end up with just a big clod of hard dirt around the root of your plants, and they're going to have a hard time taking off and growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, if you go out into a plant, an area that's, you know, good enough soil to plant stuff in, pick up a handful of it and just squeeze it together a little bit. Open your hand. If it stays just like it was with all your fingerprints intact, no cracks, no nothing, it's too wet mm-hmm. and probably too much clay. If it cracks open a little bit and doesn't doesn't gum up when you handle it, you might get away with planting some things. And, of course, if it crumbles apart in your palm, it's either very loose, nice, sandy soil or it's uh, too dry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can plant in it and just water a lot. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a phone call, and it's John calling from Bedford. John? Hi, Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, I have a question about a tre- about trees. I have some uh, I have some property uh, uh, near Laporte, and uh, it's right next to a gas station. And there's a strip of about six or seven feet between the gas station parking lot and uh, the my building, and so it gets a lot of sun. It's also southern exposure, and I want to put some trees in there that'll give you know, give it some aesthetic uh, improvement. And also, uh, I, of course, I've got to have trees that will um, uh, be able to withstand that heavy heat uh, and also that will not uh, be too invasive into the basement of the building. Any hmm. suggestions? Well, I'm not a huge fan of arborvitae, but uh, you might consider... Uh, something like that. They are evergreen. They are narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, root systems are not massive. There are about 20 probably different kinds in cultivation. Mm-hmm. Well, I was hoping from. for something that would give a little bit of shade to the building. It's a oh, I, building. I see. You need something with a little more height to it and yeah, spread. Yeah, so I didn't know if mm-hmm. maybe crab, crab apple trees would be suitable. Uh, if, if you choose crab apples... Choose something that tends to be uh, what they call vase-shaped or upright because crabs can spread incredibly wide compared to their height. Yeah. Uh, 
but that would not be a bad choice. Uh, there are probably a number of, of nice small trees that would give you some shade. Uh, if you need screening down low, uh, you might consider something that is multi-stemmed or that that uh, tends to branch low. What about a vine? Why couldn't he get vines? I mean, that would kind well, of insulate the building, wouldn't it? Uh, as I understand no, it, I don't want vines. Nothing you don't want they vines? would invade. They they invade. Through. It's a wooden building. Oh, it's wooden. Right okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about a flowering uh, plum tree? Well, again, uh, if you think that's large enough, most of them don't get too awfully big. Uh, well, but if the that problem would is, be... if I get really big, then they're going to have a, a large root system that will invade the basement, wouldn't they? Well, it depends. Some trees have really massive root systems, like willows, mm-hmm. and others are not too bad. Uh, I think probably any kind of you might consider some of the uh, ornamental pears. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, because uh, there, a lot of them tend to be rather upright. Okay. Uh, and um, as far as I know, they don't have too much in the way of problems. Okay. Uh, but a lot of cities use them actually in their sidewalks mm-hmm. and tree plots. Right. Yeah, lots of tree plots. Yeah, they're yeah. a good urban tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, the thank nice. You. You're welcome. Yeah. Or you could just buy the gas station next door and really go crazy. You just not thinking big enough, man. (laughs) All right, John. Thanks a lot for the call. And our phone numbers again: eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. And noon at Indiana. Edu. We only have about. Five minutes to go. Okay. Well, I've got a couple emails. Uh, uh, one of our callers has emailed, or yeah, emailed back, I guess, and said that uh, suggests you can get the dried blood at the White River Co-op, among other places. So mm-hmm. that's good to know. And then I don't know how I feel about this next one. It says the Garden Show is always so popular. Helen May should have her own show. Well, so, <laughs> where does that leave us? Well, I don't know. She Helen could do. She could definitely. I know do her she own could. Show. Yeah. There, there's so much to talk about with gardening all year round. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I am retired, you know. Yeah, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I always expect you to wink when you say when you make that statement because I find that so amusing. Yeah. Sure you are. Well, sure. well, I have a I have a weather question mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it seems like like you were talking about last year's weather and mm-hmm. how devastating it was to a lot of things. What about oh, this yeah. year? This year seems to me to be kind of wet and cold for the spring. Well, it is uh, wet, cold spring, mm-hmm. but it's, good? it's more nearly normal right. than what we had last year, and I don't think anything's going to bloom out real early and, and get disastrously frozen back uh, mm-hmm. on a season like this. I am a little concerned that it might stay so wet that everything will be late as far as being able to plant. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have this, uh, you know, we were so dry last summer. I hope we're not getting all our rain now and won't get any this summer. But um, actually, uh, 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 this is more normally what we should expect. Uh, It is the end of March. We should have some pretty balmy days, but we've been just having rain, 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 haven't we? I think we're going to have some more, too. Well, you know, I I think this is going to be one of those years, and I base this on absolutely nothing scientific, that um, you just kind of flip a switch and it's summer. And you're like, uh, uh, that has happened. Yeah, yeah. This, this is kind of shaping up to be mm-hmm. one of those years, yeah. in my opinion. That's so. right. We have any more emails? Uh, let's see. You've um, you got a stack of things over I there. I do have a stack of things. Uh, no, no. I think that we have gone through all of our emails. Um, I guess the only other or another question I would ask. Yeah, there's would, not only in one other question. No, I know. I had, to, I, had to, I couldn't even get that out with a straight face. Yeah. Um, houseplants, uh, repot them now, wait. What, what, what would you recommend? What should we be doing to, to uh, get our houseplants? In fact, some of them I like to take outside. So mm-hmm. what should we be doing to get those ready? Well, actually, um, what you should be, be doing with your houseplants all winter long is keeping them cleaned up, you know, bad foliage removed and uh, fertilized and uh, watch out for insects and so forth. Actually, I prefer to take mine out uh, 
adjust them gradually to be outdoors. You can mm-hmm. burn them and, oh, by yeah. the sun and the wind and get them too cold. And, yep. But once once they've been out a week or two and have kind of perked up and are looking good, I generally begin to do my repotting then. Okay. Uh, or in the fall, wait till fall in some instances, depending on how crowded the plant is. Um, <clears throat> right now, a lot of them are a little tired and weary from the winter and might not be a great time to mess with them. Yeah. However, most house plants can be handled year-round just whenever you need to. Okay. Yeah. Here's an email that came in. Um, it said, I have a small lot in town and love to grow tomatoes and don't have room to rotate my crops. The last few years, my plants have had a lot of disease, leaves yellowing and dropping, fruits rotting from the bottom, etc. Are there organic alternatives to fungicides like copper sulfate, etc.? Thanks for your help. There's not a lot organic that really works. Um, I'm not an expert on this. You might be better to speak to some of the organic growers at the city market. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been fortunate enough that I've been able to kind of rotate my tomatoes. Actually, tomatoes, peppers, and potatoes and strawberries should not follow each other in the same soil. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Because they're prone to a lot of the same problems. If you have... Uh, room at all to move them for a year or two, um, that would be the ideal situation. But I would go to the city market and and ask some of those guys who grow organically Mm -hmm. uh, what they do about tomato diseases. I wonder if she could go container garden for a couple of years. Uh, I have done that with my peppers. Peppers grow beautifully in in big pots. Oh, yeah, that's the only Mm -hmm. way I do them. Yeah, Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. they're great. All right, so that's an option. All right, (laughs) and and as always, we have uh, not enough time for Helen, so we are out of time today. But thanks, Helen, for being here. Thank you. Thanks for for asking me. And Mary Catherine, you you showed your hearty stock. Thank you for being here today. So I want to thank uh, Helen May and Mary Catherine Carmichael for producer Adam Ragusi, who is sitting in for an ailing Catherine Hegeman, and for Mike Pashkash, our engineer. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at wfiu.org.